Indiana Runner Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. I sit down with Scott Lidskin, and we go over the first week and talk about the girls' preview more in-depth for this season. Let's hit it. Altavote here with my friend, newly retired coach and a staff member on Indiana Runner, Scott Lidskin. Scott, how's it been going the uh, first few weeks here of not coaching? <laughs> uh, it's been different, that's for sure. But uh, it's been great to be able to spend a little bit more time with my family and be more of a fan of uh, Indiana high school cross country uh, instead of uh, just focused on my own team. You always kept good tabs as a, as a coach. I know you and I used to always talk a lot about what's going on with our teams, but also just the state in general. So we're going to go through some of the things that happened here. We have one week of results. It's just one week, but maybe we've got some uh, good storylines. Maybe we know a little bit more than we did uh, emphasis on a little mm-hmm. more than we did a week ago or two weeks ago, as we were going through our season previews that uh, Josh Horowitz and I did. Let's just go around the horn from the state. Uh, these are the, the meets that I saw results of last night as I was doing a, a, a summary of what all happened. Warpath invite at Borden, Forest Park boys won handily, and their superstar Spencer Wolf, one of the top 25 guys on our individual uh, preseason rankings on Indiana Runner, he dominated as well, and the Forest Park girls won handily. Norwell invite. Uh, Belmont boys won with 37 points and the Leo girls in a romp, 25 points. We think that's a possible state meet team, probably a little early for this to mean much Scott, right? Yeah, that was a small meet, but, um, but certainly, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity for a coach and a team to see where you stand when you come out of the gates like that. And sometimes you can just carry that momentum all the way through the season and maybe you become a, a, a state contender, state qualifying contender. And if the options are to look really good in the first week or to look really bad, I'd probably rather look good. Yeah. Uh, A couple of Hokums, one at Gibson Southern, Wrights beat South Knox by one. And then on the girls' side, Bloomington North girls dominate. A little surprised to see the Bloomington North girls are. Didn't even look through the uh, names. Maybe they just kind of ran their their, uh, second tier of girls, their JV, to – just give them a chance, see what they could do uh, against some other varsity schools. And then in Fort Wayne, uh, it's a co-ed Hoka. When I was in school, it was the girls still ran 4K. So the boys ran the first, third, and fifth miles, and the girls just ran the second and fourth. Now it's uh, three miles for each, and uh, HSC won. Carroll, I think, was second, but again, it's co-ed. So you might have a really strong girls program helping your boys out. You may have the opposite being true. Uh, HSC is good on both sides, which led them to the victory. Direct quote from someone who knows things about the HSC boys. They are really good, a title contender. So we can't get much out of a hokum, right? Yeah, um, especially combined gender one. Although I do think it's a great way to start out the season, right? You get your kids kind of used to being in competition, um, you know, you but you don't necessarily have to see how your team stacks up against other girls teams or other boys teams. I, we never did a co a, a co-ed kind of a hokum Karen, but I think it's a great idea. Yeah. It's the only one in the state that I know of, and it's been going on for a very, very long time. Uh, since I was in school, my, my first cross country season was 2002. 
and they were doing it then. And I didn't get the idea that it was a newer one then. In fact, I think my high school coach graduated in 1994 from Northrop. And I think they were doing it then. I think it's a really, really long tradition. And like you said, it's, it's, it's cool. It's something different to do. It's like, uh, than, uh, it's like a out. scrimmage. It's like a scrimmage that football teams do, you know, before their first uh, official game. I, I think that's a, it's a good dress rehearsal. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, and then at crown point, this is kind of like the number two meet, I would say of the first week crown point boys who we have ranked third in the new Prairie semi-state. They beat Lake Central 63 to 70, but Scott, we didn't have the Lake Central boys in our top 50. So there may be something going on there. Um, they, they, may be, they may be cooking up something beyond our expectations and could be a possible, especially in a, in a semi-state that's not uh, the strongest of the four. Maybe the Lake Central boys could be a surprise team this fall. Yeah, and you know, it's it, up there. It just seems like it's always close, right? I mean, like there's just all the teams, Lake Central, Valpo, Chesterton, you know, just Munster. There's just so many, you know, solid programs up there. That just, it, it always seems like it's a great battle all through the season. Yeah, the schools tend to be <coughs> really, really close together. And it's it's not always the same. It'll be cyclical. And, and Chesterton will be really good for a few years or Valpo will be really good for a few years. Um, when When your teams were winning the state, championship at, at Westfield I think at least one of the years or maybe two of the years Lake Central was second yeah uh, so it's yeah it could be recently in the boys side crown point has been really good we've got them third this this year so 63 to 70 that's not that's not too far off if it was 23 to 32 it, it may not be very close but that's those those two teams were uh pretty compact in there on the girl side it was the reverse Lake Central girls, who we consider on Indiana Runner to be a likely state meet team, they beat the Crown Point girls by a wider margin uh, than it was on the boys' side, 36 to 48. We think Crown Point girls are a possible state meet team. They've got a new coach. He came over from Highland, um, so he's used to high levels of competition, certainly with coach, having Coach Lucas Gare on the boys' side, coach the girls at Highland as well. And then individually, defending state champion Corinna James won by nearly two minutes. Is there a lot you can take away from a race this early when when uh, one girl wins the race by that much? Not necessarily. Um, you know, conditions were probably pretty good up there, uh, weather-wise. Uh, I've heard that course is a little bit tough, but I mean, you know, she is such a strong runner that could have been just a, a threshold run for her at this point. Yeah, she ran uh, somewhere between eighteen thirty and eighteen forty, which uh, for that's six for minute. That for you know for her that that could be pretty controlled effort. for sure for an athlete at, at that level and she just very often uh doesn't see high levels of of competition but when when she does see that she she raises her her performance she's undefeated last year and we'll get into in the second half of the podcast some of our uh thoughts on the the girl side especially with the individuals it's the strongest year ever uh, for the girls and, and I don't yeah. I don't imagine it's even particularly close and you your experience goes even even further back than mine and we can uh, do some comparing our spotlight meet was the Laverne early early meet is what I call it I think the official one is the Valley early bird um, hosted by Terre Haute South they do a great job of hosting meets Dave Patterson who runs the course there in, in Terre Haute uh, anytime we mention it we just I I've got to say how lucky we are to have 
a cross country venue of that quality, potentially the best one in the, in the United States, right here within driving distance of, of much of the state. And a place that's willing to host invitationals during the regular season. A lot of times, um, you know, states do have great state meet venues, but you don't get to race there until the state meet. Yeah. And I think as I was talking to some of our guys and uh, I coached the boys at Carmel and, and some of the girls and um, on the team and the girls coaches, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough course to learn how to run The more experience you get on it, the better. And uh, yeah. So being able to get on there and see it now and, and the team could see it now and then go back in about a month and see it for the state preview and then go back another month and see it for the Valley twilight. And then another month is the state meet. And that's, yeah, we're, we're just so fortunate that they're, they're willing to be amenable on that. Um, we talked about the weather, especially up in crown point, Northern Indiana. It was, it was a decent August morning. It's about the best you can hope for in early August. I did a rough adjustment. I've kind of, um, now, certainly I'm not as, as advanced or uh, as good. I don't understand the formula on INCC stats, but I've over the years, I've kind of learned how, how they factor in and how they formulate their adjustments. So I did a rough INCC stats adjustment on the boys. The INCC stats uh, curator has said he'll, he's going to wait until late August to do the first updates. Last year, it was minus 54 on the boys' side. Minus means slower than average. So for instance, at the Noblesville Regional on a perfect day, it might be plus 35 or plus 40. Last year, it was 77 when they shot the gun off at the Laverne early, early meet. It oh, ranked wow. as minus 54. My rough adjustment on the boys was minus 31. And that's conservative. It may come out as more like minus 35 or minus 38. Um, let's just run through the, the teams of note or the top five teams. The fully loaded Center Grove team scored 65 for an easy on the boys win. side on the boys side sorry is uh easy win they had fewer than half of the amount of points of the uh second place team and i believe they fit uh i believe they fit in five before the second place team's number two and then uh second place missing its top two runners Carmel, and I've got a sound effect for Carmel. <laughs> was that given to you by the Carmel athletic director? That was given to me by the son of the Carmel boys coach who says that's what a Greyhound sounds like. Carmel missing a top two runners, scored 131. Bloomington North missing their top two runners, scored 162. Bloomington South missing one of five, scored 204. Floyd Central missing one of their five. Now, this is five preseason, right? We don't know exactly who the first five are for each team. Uh, scored 206. And then number one, Burbuff, ran without three of their top five and finished 12th. Anything stick out to you out of that top five? Or the, uh, I guess six um, teams of note? I think really what stood out is what you mentioned about you know, some of the young men not running for their particular teams on Saturday. And, you know, we can speculate about injury or this or that, but sometimes we just lose track of how long a cross country season can be. Um, and uh, just because somebody, you know, didn't race this weekend or might be a little dinged up, that is not indicative of where, what things are going to look like in two months. Right. And I think that we got to remember 
there were only 11 possible practices yeah. before this meet. And by rule, you need 10 to participate. And for instance, at Carmel, uh, we only had 10 practices. One of the days we couldn't meet because it was like the, the school kickoff. And uh, we could have met, but it would have had to be way late in the afternoon. And we just told them, run, run your minutes whenever. And so uh, a lot of our guys, if they were in this, the mentor program where they mentor the younger kids, they missed another day for that. That's nine practices. They, they weren't eligible. And some of the coaches I talked to, it was the same thing. Uh, individually, Abe Ekman from Jasper, who was All-State last year, came from behind. He won in 1604. Nate Killeen, who was All-State last year, uh, ran the fastest last 2,000 meters to finish second in 1608. Parker Membella. Uh, from Center Grove, 16-11 for third. Krishna Thirunavukarasu from Burbuff. He led most of the way. He had a pretty substantial lead at two miles, faded a little bit down the finish uh, to end up fourth in 16-12. And then Will Conway from Floyd Central, maybe the best sophomore runner in the state, uh, certainly one of the first best two or three sophomores. He ran 16-17. He was fifth last year. Pretty rare, Scott, to see a fifth-place runner uh, fifth place freshman at the state meet over the 1600. And that was Will Conway last spring. Yeah. He's outstanding. Girls side. I did a, a rough adjustment last year was minus 78. Now the girls side, they're out there for longer amounts of time, right? Boys might run 16 minutes. The top boys, girls, top girls are going to be more like 19 minutes. A varsity level kid at a state meet team, 17 minutes on the boys, maybe 20 on the girls. So proportionally a longer amount. So we're, we're more likely to see what, what Jim Irsay calls the Star Wars numbers um, on the girls' side. Last year, minus 78. This year, minus 63. That's my rough adjustment. Uh, Chesterton wins with 72. Westfield second in 101. A sh slightly shorthanded, not much, North Central squad third with 104. Avon scored 172. And Jasper also scored 172. That was fourth and fifth. Uh, what do you make of Chesterton with 72? Yeah, I was really impressed with that. I mean, you know, this is a team that's kind of been building over the last couple of years. And, um, you know, Chesterton is probably a pretty good drive from Terre Haute to make that commitment early in the season is probably telling that this is a team that, that thinks that they're going to be at the state meet and trying to perform really well there. And, uh, you know, we were talking before we came on, I, Valparaiso is a high school for girls is our top ranked team from that semi-state and the preseason poll. I think Chesterton's going to, going to give them a run. Yeah. We listed Chesterton as a, as a potential podium team. I think they were ninth, eighth, ninth, yep. tenth, somewhere in that range. And I think Chesterton and Valpo are very similar in terms of just the, the makeup of the communities, obviously the location, they're, they're right next to each other. And uh, the, the culture of those two teams, the, the tradition, the history, and I think they're both really, really well-coached teams. Uh, they are. One... And I'm sorry to interrupt you. Just, I, you know, um, my wife's from Valparaiso, so I'm, I'm aware of the, uh, that Chesterton-Valpo-Portage uh, rivalry. It's kind of it's a three-school three rivalry. And uh, I have a feeling that those two teams are going to they're gonna go at each other <laughs> a, a lot of times during this season. And I think it's likely that one of those two teams will, will be on the podium, yeah. but one, one, but, but it would be tough for both of them to be on there. One, yeah. one of the two Westfield second, got to make you feel good. You were the Westfield coach. 
for years and years and years, stepped away, did a, did a retirement, came back. You're like the Michael Jordan of cross country. No, not stepped away, retired, not. came back. Now you're in your, your second retirement. I don't know what school is the Washington Wizards, but maybe that's you in a, in a few yeah. years. Um, yeah. You got to feel good about Westfield finishing second. Yeah. Um, you know, I turned over the program to a former runner, um, an assistant coach of mine, Whitney Bevins. And I think the coolest part about their runner up yesterday was last year uh, at our regional meet when we qualified for semi-state, we ran seven seniors in our lineup last year. We ran six at the semi-state. We missed qualifying, I think, by 17 points in the state meet. But you lose six or seven of your top seven, you know, you get that proverbial building year, rebuilding year uh, moniker, and and they're not. I mean, they're, they're going to be, I don't know if they're going to have a chance to make the state meet or not, but they're, they're going to be competitive. And for a young team, too, especially, um, and maybe not necessarily young in terms of grade level or age, I, I don't know what the breakdown is of the girls that ran yesterday, but certainly relatively inexperienced at the varsity yes. level if you ran I mean to run six or seven girls in the the tournament races in your in your biggest meets of the season is almost unheard of yeah. in in cross country um, to run that well on that difficult of a course is it means something it's it's it was a good it, start it was a real good start. yeah it's not nothing uh, North Central's got a solid team at least one of their seven best girls didn't run. Uh, they had, I think they had 11 finishers too. Uh, they, they're, they're at a really high point in terms of interest and team success that they had a, a pretty lengthy drought from the state meet. And then not only did they make it to the state meet last year, but they finished in the top five. Yeah. So I think that that's another between Westfield and North central. Those are two teams that are probably going to battle to make it out of the regional and yeah. then to make it from the semi-state to the state meet. If they, if they're both able to make it out of the regional, uh, Avon at 172, I think, was kind of a surprise. Too early to consider them maybe a possible state meet team? Perhaps, but as you said, I mean, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna come and you're you had a great summer and you're ready to come and run hard, show off, you know, show it. And and they did. And uh, you know, time will tell if they're a state caliber team, but it's not gonna be because a lack of you know competition. They're in the HCC, they're gonna see great teams every week. So we'll we'll get a real good read on them in the next three or four weeks. And certainly not a, a not a lack of readiness. Uh, they showed right. in that in that meet yesterday that they're yeah, you can't come out to Terre Haute in August, even in good weather, and perform like that if you didn't get a solid summer of training from your team. Yep. So an exciting season for Avon. On the individual side, Bailey Ranta leads wire to wire. Uh, lost a little bit of ground in the last stretch or so, but she won in 1927. We have her ranked pretty high in our individual preseason rankings. She uh, finished 16th as a freshman uh, and, and had a couple subpar state meets. So to go out and get a win on the state meet course has to be uh, advantageous for going into the season. And then I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this. It, for in the individual race, two, three, and four, all blanket finish, we're all within about a half of a second of each other. Andy Van Meter from Jasper, who was all state last year, Kendall Martin from Burbuff, who was all state. And then this is this has got to be your number one reason for excitement if you are involved with Chesterton. And that is their number two runner, Catherine White, ran 1935 and nearly beat those two established all state runners. Yeah, with with how much firepower they had coming back from last year's squad and 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't think she was one of their top two runners last year at the, towards the end of the year. So for her to make that kind of jump, if the other girls make, you know, even maybe not even that sizable of a jump, but if they make a jump individually a little bit, look out. Lauren Clem from Franklin was fifth. We're just kind of going through the top five. Uh, and I, I think there were something like on the boys' side, five or six runners in the race that were all state last year or five or six runners that were at least in our preseason top 25. And the same thing on the girls' side. Lauren Clem, I think she was in the upper 20s. So she yeah. didn't, she wasn't all state, but she is in our preseason top 25, which are up on Indiana runner. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a pretty, that meat has grown a lot. That's a pretty loaded field to have someone as good as, as Lauren Clem finishing fifth. Yeah. I, you know, uh, our team has jumped into that meat. I don't know, maybe three, four five years ago. Cause we wanted to just kind of get a low key early test for our team. And it's kind of become uh uh, uh, more than that, it's become an early test of, of where you stand against you know, high-level competition. Yeah, and three of the top five boys teams ranked, at least, were there in the boys race. Now, if you don't run your, you know, three of your best kids or whatever, that may that also shows the quality of that meet that the number one right. team sat three of their best runners and they didn't finish second or third; they finished twelfth. And on the girls' side, it was the same thing. Carmel sat, uh, I don't know the exact number, but a, a, a substantial amount of the, of the top 10 runners and Carmel girls finished 14th. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to the state, right? Indiana has just come so far in the last five, 10 years. Again, I think a team like Carmel or a, a team like Brebuff boys 10 years ago, if they had gone to a meet like this, they probably would have, like you said, finished in the top five. And that's just, that's not happening anymore. Let's go through then. Uh, we talked about the meets, did a quick roundup of the state. Our boys team of the week. This is one coming in that I don't know. I don't want to say we had questions about them, but we wanted to know after having lost a couple of their best runners, not to graduation, but to moving to see how they could, uh, how they could compete. And they, they came out and dominated a good field yesterday. And that is the center Grove boys. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to the to Center Grove and their their coaches. I mean, they've just stayed the course, right? I mean, they, you could have. <laughs> there's probably been some frustration and things like that with kids moving and leaving, and and they've just stayed the course, stayed consistent, and they've been good for for three, two, three, four years now. Parker Mimbella, I was at the meet, and and Parker Mimbella was just kind of in that lead group. And I thought, man, there are a lot of good guys in here. And the same thing with one of our boys from Carmel, um, that that they worked their way up the field. And I'm thinking, ah, man, I I hope these boys can hang on because that's if you go out a little too fast on that course, that can be a uh, that can be a tough lesson. And he just hung in there and to finish third in that field, and then to put five in. Uh, I believe five in the top 25, if not maybe their fifth runner was, was maybe 21st in, in a really, really good field, you know, even without, even without their, their number one boy having grad or uh, moved rather not graduated moved from last year that they're, they're still a very real title contender. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I just, I'm really impressed, really impressed with how they've handled all of that and kept, kept consistency and kept the positive attitudes with their with the kids in their program and 
um, you know, that's that I think obviously they're talented, but I think that's the main reason for excitement from a, from an outside perspective is if you can keep a team together through the adversity that they've had over the last couple of years. Um, you're going to, things are going to, you're going to get, you're going to gain some extra level toughness. A very resilient group. And those are, you said toughness, I'm saying resilience. Like those are, those are characteristics that matter in cross country. And those are characteristics that matter through the lengthy Indiana tournament that, that ends on a challenging cross country course. Yes. Our girls team of the week. This is, I guess, looking around, maybe the team that uh, overperformed the most. And that is uh, Avon. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say overperformed, but I would certainly say surprised in terms of the caliber of some of the teams that they beat at that meet. Um, you know, we had a couple of teams ranked in our top 25, Northview and Bloomington South, I think. And Avon was able to knock them off. And, uh, you know, Avon, like we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, they've got a nice run. They're not going to have a problem probably making it to the semi-state meet so they can they kind of gear up for that one day and who knows, maybe they can shock the world then. So congratulations, Center Grove boys, Avon girls, our Indiana runner podcast teams of the week. All right, let's take a break. Gear up for cross country at three rivers running company. Whether you're just getting into the sport or you're a veteran on your way to another championship, we have everything you need to make this your best season yet. Come visit us today at 4039 North Clinton in Fort Wayne. Indiana Runner thanks Three Rivers Running Company for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, we're back. Just a couple questions to go over. Um, in general, we talked earlier, Scott, about uh, this is your this is your first season out. This is your first season of your your retirement. Um, you took a couple seasons off when when your kids were really young, and then kind of came back as the coordinator. Uh, and then and then one one season as the head coach with a, a succession plan at at Westfield, where you coached for so long. Is there one particular aspect you miss about coaching right now? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I love teams. And I guess I just, I love the uh, idea of developing teams and, and watching them grow and, and improve and deal with the ups and downs. So I guess it's not just the camaraderie and it's not just the competition. It's that whole, it's the whole package of like, you know, just guiding a team and helping develop a team and taking them from point, point A to point B. I, I, that I definitely miss. And I'm sure too, the, the woman that took over for you, Whitney Bevins, was your was an athlete when you were the coach. Yeah. And uh, was your assistant coach for for a while. Mm -hmm. So you're still involved, I would say. Right. I mean, you're still around. Uh, yeah. Home. I mean, I, I I've tried to give Whitney as much, you know, complete space and autonomy. Um, she'll she'll text or call for, you know, some questions or advice here or there. But she's she's more than capable. She she really doesn't need my, uh, my guidance at all. So I, I've been pretty hands-off, to be quite honest. I, I think I saw the, the team on Friday. Uh, they, they were heading out to practice, and that was the first time I'd, I'd really seen them in, in, well, together in probably about you know, eight or ten months. What's that like being at the school as a teacher and not being the coach then after, after you did it for so long? So the girls that were on the team last year 
are at the school and they see you and you might even have some of them in class. What's that dynamic like? Oh, it's, it's very friendly. I mean, we, I, I felt like we had a really good rapport with our girls team last year and they know I'm like, you know, their biggest fan. And um, I just tried to stay out of Whitney's way. It's kind of why I haven't really been involved. Let her establish, you know, the, the you know, the ideas and, and the plans that she wants to have, but, uh, but the kids know I'm on their side and, uh, and I'm, I'm rooting for them and give them high fives in the hallway and, Tell them, tell them good luck. And it's, it's not awkward in any way. Sure. And, and same thing on the boys side, right? I mean, they've got a new coach, uh, Roger, step, Roger Wachtel stepped down. Well, Roger as... actually moved into my uh, uh, coordinator role. Oh, okay. So were, so then were you the coordinator and the girls head coach last year, essentially? Um, no, it's, it's confusing, but Josh Wachtel, who's now the boys coach, he did the a coordinator role last year but since it was the COVID year it was I'm not sure that role really took on its normal meaning okay so so then Roger and Josh or Roger is the father and Josh is, is one of his sons just kind of Correct. flipped flipped uh roles so we've talked about this a lot you and I just uh you know in texting and things like that the the field of girls elite girls is at an all-time high and I would say there are probably five at least potentially nationally elite girls. We ranked them coming into the season, and this this was no easy task. I guess the thing that makes it easy is the rankings don't – they're interesting to see, but they don't have any bearing over the season. We ranked the, the runners coming in in this order. Number one, Lily Cridge from Chittard. Number two, and the defending state champion, Corinna James from Lowell. Number three, Addison Wiley of Huntington North. Number four, Sophia Kennedy of Park Tudor. And number five, Nikki Sutherland of Delta. Anybody maybe that, that we missed that you think might belong in that group of five? I don't know, Colin. That's kind of the dream team right there. <laughs> um, you know, there's certainly other really good runners. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Kennedy's teammate at, at Park Tudor, Farley, beat her from time to time last year and was a great 800-meter runner. Uh, Pulitza from Valpo is really, really good and really, really fast, which, you know, as a coach, you, you like those fast kids. So, um, but it would be tough to crack into that top five. What do you Assuming make? They're all healthy. What do you make then of this, this kind of crazy year with five nationally elite runners in Indiana versus, I think we, we talked about this off the podcast, like, there's certainly been top top level girls from Indiana, right? Anna Rohr was two-time Footlocker national champion. She was in high school at the same time. So we had Ashley Erba and Anna Rohr in high school at the same time. Um, it, that was another one of the top national girls. Alex Banfitch, some years, Waverly Near. But now we've got five and they're all in high school at the same time. Can, yeah, can you think of any particular as, reason? As a reason, I, I don't know but it we need to really appreciate it as as fans of the sport because it is incredible i mean like you just mentioned like take somebody like alex banfitch who ran for culver um you know in the mid 2000 2005 era, 2006 era i mean she was a nationally elite runner like you mentioned roar and, and these other girls but they really didn't have um, and certainly I'm not trying to make it out like it's easy to win the state championship. Those girls had, you know, they, they had to do a great job to do that, but they, they did not have, um, these, this, this other layer of talent kind of right with them 
And I mean, like um, in 2007, um, Maggie Bingham was uh, on, on my team at Westfield and she was the state runner up. And Maggie is a phenomenal runner. She had an incredible career, but she is not anywhere near the, the, the times that these girls have run. And she wound up as the runner up to Alex Vanfitch in 07. Um, so to have five girls of this talent who, you know, I, I think may even match up before the state meet, at least a couple of them here and there. I just hope that the Indiana cross country fans will really appreciate what, what we are going to be able to look at and see this year. And, and I know I'm stating the obvious, but I just, I really am wishing all those girls great health um, this fall. I mean, obviously so that they can see how, how great they can be individually, but also so that we can <laughs> be able to watch them all compete at the state meet. You let's go backwards for a second. I didn't put this in the, in the podcast rundown, but I, I'm interested to get your take on this. You mentioned that Maggie Bingham was second to Alex Banfitch one year at the state meet, but if, and that was, those girls are about the same age that I am Well, they're yeah. women now. Right. So they're, um, but they're, when they were in high, they were high school girls, they were uh, maybe a year younger than me as a high school boy. Um, I, I don't remember that Maggie Bingham was necessarily the second best girl season long, but she finished second at the state meet. How much do you think being on a good team in that, in, in that instance, or in that general sense, how much does that matter for, for a kid to perform well at the state meet? Well, the answer is actually complex. And I don't know if, uh, if we have time on the web, this uh, podcast to go into it, but um I actually think it both helps and hinders um, girls at that level, probably boys too. Um, it certainly helped that, that Maggie understood that the, the lower the point total that she could garner, that would be huge for our team. But because she was so good, I, I also probably, and some people out there would say foolishly, I probably undertrained her quite a bit just to make sure she was healthy going into the state series because we probably weren't going to win a state championship if she were injured. Um, and, uh, and so we just couldn't afford for that to happen. So that may have hindered her a little bit, but certainly um, it probably didn't hinder her as much as it, it helped uh, motivationally to, to need to score as, as low a total as possible. You mentioned earlier about the, um, you said this about Polizza, who yeah. I misidentified as Ava Gillian in an earlier podcast that would have been, I guess not even her teammate that was a former Valparaiso runner and her speed. What do you, Yeah. how do you handicap Wiley's potential this fall, given her historic track season in the spring when, when uh, she set the state records, the number one performances over 800 and 1600, given that Addison Wiley was six last year at the state, cross country meet right it's not like she didn't make the state meet or she was back in the 50s and 60s and she's only good at the 800 i i know that uh i probably wouldn't want her uh within 10 meters of me uh with uh, 400 to go <laughs> at the state finals yeah she's she's a special talent and um i i don't think there's any question that she's she's in that that state title discussion in other words I don't think she's, like you just said, I don't think she's just a track superstar. I think this is going to transfer over to the grass. And uh, she's, I mean, I mean, she's just sort of generation. I mean, I don't know what the right word, generationally great here. Yes. And, uh, and, and I, I think this is going to be a big breakout year. I mean, the confidence that she had to have gained from the successes that she had in the spring 
I, I just think there's got to be a carryover into this fall, um, in, in addition to whatever training you know carryover there is as well. Um, and and yeah, I mean speed kills, right? So it's it's just gonna be interesting. She's an excellent athlete too. She she played split her time in the past between soccer and cross country and still ran. Obviously, those performances that she did two times in the top 10 at the state meeting cross country while on the soccer team and also played basketball. And that's something you've as a coach had some experience with uh, girls that were excellent distance runners, but also played basketball. What's yeah. the balance there like if now she didn't play basketball in the spring or in the in the winter, rather, and her performance really took off? Yeah, take a look. Right. Take a look. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm torn on that. I'm, as I'm getting older, I, I, I appreciate that when kids can do more than one sport and, you know, sort of gain more life and athletic experiences, um, you know, it seems like those days are, are dwindling away where kids can do, and I mean, obviously they do cross country and track, but I don't, I don't mean it in that way. Um, so not doing, but on the flip side, obviously take a look at yeah, not doing basketball and then she becomes, you know, basically the best miler in the country. So I, I think that it's a fine line. It's a tough balance, but I think you gotta, you gotta just work with the, the athlete and make sure that he or she is, is enjoying what they're, what, what he or she is doing, um, handling it, you know, the stresses of school and all the other things too. And if, if the kid is willing to do it, you know, you, we can make it work, but um, I don't know if it's ideal or not. Well, and certainly with it, with soccer and cross country, that's hard because they're in the same season. Yeah. With basketball and track, that's it's pretty simple, right? When it's basketball season, you go play basketball, and maybe she does some jogging or whatever on the weekend yeah. when she can. But then when basketball's over, you go to track. That makes it that makes it a lot simpler. And she goes to a high school where that's that's possible, right? Yeah. If if you're if you're one of the best runners in the country, you're obviously going to be on your high school cross country and your high school track team. But if she went to Lawrence North or Carmel or Fishers or somewhere like that, a really, really big school, she may not even have been, I don't know how good of a basketball player she is, but she may not have been good enough to play on the basketball team. But yeah, I've, I thought that was interesting in talking to her coach who graduated the same year I did. He, he graduated from Huntington North where Addison uh, Wiley goes to school and that, yeah, her, her performance really took off when she decided to just concentrate on, on becoming a distance runner. Um, we, we, we ranked Lily Cridge, we being Indiana runner. So I guess you're, if you don't like this, you're, you're guilty by association, but there's a committee of one for our preseason rankings. Uh, we ranked Lily Cridge number one and Corinna James number two. Now, INCC stats has Corinna James number five, so that's what the advanced numbers say. Do you think it's unfair not to have the defending champion number one? Uh, okay, well, I mean, if we're looking at it from, uh, like, if I put my coaching hat on, I would say I don't care at all. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a ranking, and we'll, we'll see uh, as time goes on. Um, if I were uh, wearing my Corinna James hat, yeah, then I would probably be uh, – like, uh, let's, we'll, we'll bring it on. You know, that's probably what people were saying last year before the state meet. I don't think she was like necessarily the favorite to win and she pulled it out. So um, I guess it depends on the perspective and it's fun to talk about. And I love the fact that we at Indiana Runner um, bring these topics up and make it fun to talk about. Um, I just, I really hope, like I said earlier, I just really hope we get to see some of these girls race against each other at various invitationals uh, during the course of the year. I'm the meet director for the, flat, the Riverview Health uh, Flash Rock XC invite. So 
if you're uh, coaching one of these girls and your, your team is not coming to our meet, find, get, email me, call me. Let's get them all. Let's get as many of them together and, and tear up that course on September 18th. Not tear it up like that one year, though, right? No, yeah, not not literally tear it up. Uh, that is a – and we, we both live in Hamilton County and coach, Ham, coach or have coached Hamilton County teams. We talked about how we're lucky to have Laverne Gibson. Also, those Central Indiana teams, we are lucky to have a course available to us like Northview because Northview, I think, at least of all the courses I'm familiar with, tends to parallel yeah. Laverne Gibson the most. Yeah, I, I mean, in our program, if we were – Rating the difficulty of courses, uh, Northview and Terre Haute would be very similarly ranked in difficulty. Uh, on the on the girls' team race, how do you handicap? We think there's a clear top two, right? Carmel and Columbus North. How do you handicap those two? Yeah, I mean, as you know, I mean, it, it, that's probable at this point. But it, you know, freshmen impact girls cross country so much that you just you know you you you'd hate to leave anybody out of the equation, considering it's only August fifteenth, but um, at this stage, you know, Carmel's clearly the team to beat. They return so much talent. Um, and uh, now I, I might not mind being in Columbus North's position, though, as the, the team chasing, because you might not have quite as much pressure. And, um, you know, if you lose to, to, uh, to Carmel as you face them during the course of the season, it's really, you know, it's not really a setback. Um, so they might be in the, the sort of maybe easier position. Um, but I do expect those those teams to you know, rise to the, that top two or three by the end of the year. And I can't wait to see them race against each other. We should see that at, at Brown County. Now, it could depend on how availability, ACT testing, uh, coaches strategy in, in regards to lineups. But we should see them together at the Eagle Classic at Brown County. And then the uh, Laverne Twilight, Valley Twilight, Nike Valley Twilight, whatever yeah. it's called, the, the night one on uh on laverne gibson in in early october and that'll columbus, be a real interesting one i think columbus north did get a move in from from california that that should really help them um and you've had some experience with this i i suppose she i suppose she wasn't a transfer because it was waverly near had gone to school in a, in a different district as a as an eighth grader and then they right moved to Westfield her, her freshman year, but how, how does a high level transfer like that impact what's already an established team like Columbus North? Yeah. I, I mean, if it's like what, what we had, the girls on the Columbus North team are going to be uh, incredibly excited to get this, this new girl in and, uh, and be a part of their program because obviously it helps you in two different ways, right? It helps you on paper, uh, your, your team score to try to compete for a state championship. But when you add another high flight level runner in there, you're, you know, that's just another person to help push you in training every single day. And, and that, that's a really underrated element, um, you know, in, in the team aspect of cross country, if you can start getting competitive practices, um, you know, then it makes it a lot easier when you get to meet day, look over at the line at the person next to you and say, well, you know, I know I can run with, with Sally, or I know I can run with Billy. And, and, you know, as long as Sally and Billy are where they're supposed to be, I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. And all of a sudden we're going to be a, a dynamic duo. Well, that's what we've got for today is, is an exciting first week. It's just one week, but we've, we found out some good things. We're excited for the season. Let's do the, uh, let's do the miscellaneous minute, the un, unsponsored, unsponsored segment of our podcast so far. Let me know guys. 
if you want to be uh, you want to be involved with Indiana Runner podcast, you want to do you want to do Parent Corner. What are your kids up to these days? My kids, my uh, my oldest daughter is just getting into running. She's going into fifth grade, and uh, I'm going to be a volunteer coach for her team, so that'll be exciting. And my youngest daughter is in first grade, and she loves to play the violin. They play they play the violin in first grade. That's yeah, the cutest little violin you've ever seen. The world. What's the joke? The world's tiniest violin, right? It's the sad song. The world's tiniest violin. Um, yeah. You seen the Cars movies? Is that a big? Is that a big thing for all kids? Uh, I I think we saw it a while ago, but that's that that would not be in the top uh, listing of movies of my daughters. No. Okay. My my son is currently watching Cars. If I play, I let him watch a movie. He's two, so if I let him watch a movie like once a week or whatever. Sure. And I, if I play anything, I tried to play Toy Story the other day and he was like, not, he was not having it. And our house, um, believe it or not, the uh, movie of the summer was uh, The Sound of Music. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I live in a different house. Yeah, we've watched, we've watched all three cars at least twice since the summer starts. Since we started, letting, once he turned two, we let him watch movies. And since then, there I've seen go. all three so I, if I asked you to rank the three Cars movies, you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to get I would me. not, uh, that, that would not be, uh, that would not be my cup of tea. Yeah, I'm going to say one, three, and two. Two is clearly the inferior of them. <laughs> I asked my son what he thought, and he said Cars 2 was number one. Oh. And yeah. uh, I was like, okay, obviously you're not. Yeah, you're not old enough to make good decisions yet. So uh, <laughs> anything else in regards to the season? No, like I said, just can't, can't wait to get, seeing all these teams more frequently and, uh, it's you know we say this at the beginning of every season it seems like oh this is going to be an exciting season but there there are just some really like almost extra special storylines this year you know how competitive that boys team race is going to be how competitive the girls individual team race or the individual state title race could be um and i'm talking about historically great so i think uh, cross-country fans in indiana have a lot to look forward to well that may be a topic for for another podcast is coming off of this pandemic, this four months without any kind of organized practice or whatever. And, and why, why is that? Why are we so good at the top of a lot of these things? Um, but we're running, we're running pretty deep. I'm sure, you know, we work, we work together on the site. So thanks for coming on. And I'm sure we'll, we'll talk to you a lot more as the fall goes on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Hey, thanks Scott.